name of God the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. You may want to look at the second lesson, the lesson from the book of Revelation, the Revelation to St. John. The tradition is that the writer of the Gospel of John is the writer of the book of Revelation. What's going on? The, the book of Revelation is a book that scares a lot of people. You know, it's about, it's about eschatology, which is a Greek word which means just the logos or the word of the end. So it's the, the book of uh, uh, Revelation is a revelation, an apocalypse, an uncovering, an unveiling of how things will be in the end. Well, it's also an unveiling of how things are now, how they are now and how they will ultimately be. Uh, a lot of people uh, get frightened by this. Uh, the, the, this book has been used, I think, uh, in some ways to, to, uh, to frighten book. It is actually a book of hope. It's a book of consolation. Um, it's a very beautiful book. It's one of the most beautiful books of the Bible. It is confusing. Uh, Martin Luther, the great reformer, uh, had difficulty with it. He said it was hard for him to figure out. Well, here's what's going on. There is a persecution that is going on. And the emperor has declared himself divine. It was in the emperor's power to name gods. And so, of course, uh, just taking that principle to its logical conclusion, uh, he names himself a god. And he requires every citizen of the empire to acknowledge his divinity by burning incense to the genius of the, of the spirit of the Caesar. It's not even all that personal. It's that the, the office itself is a divine office. Jews can't do that. It's idolatry. I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. This is the first and great command. You know. Jews cannot do it. And those new and weird kind of Jews, the Christians can't do it. So John has been arrested, and he has been sent to the island of Patmos. Patmos is a, uh, a prison island. There are mines there. The bonus question for the day is, what were they mining? Uh, learned clergy of the, of, the, of, the, of the cathedral are not able to come up with the answer to that at, the moment, at a moment's notice. So that's the bonus question for the day. What were they but it was, it, was, it was a death sentence. You went, to, you went to the Patmos, you didn't come back. John came back. Isn't that remarkable? Isn't that a miracle? So he's there. He's condemned to hard labor. Uh, death is all around him. And he's on the Lord's day, and he has a vision. He's caught up. And he says it's a vision, right? So it's, it, he's, he's caught up, and he's, it's a vision. And he's seeing all kinds of things. And there are things that can only be represented visually. They can't be represented in words. Words are, words struggle to, to express these divine realities. St. Paul says that, you know, he, there was a man he knew, probably talking about himself, who was taken up into the seventh, seventh heaven, and he, could, he can utter, can, can't utter what he saw. And so he's having this vision, and the gates of heaven open. Um, I've shared with you before one of the, the, my favorite observations by one of my favorite theologians. Robert Jensen was the late Lutheran theologian, and he made the observation. It's a striking observation. In the Bible, heaven is not far away. 
Heaven is close, and the doors of heaven open. Jacob has a dream, and the doors of heaven open. Stephen is being stoned to death, and the doors of heaven open. And John is in exile on the island of Patmos, and the doors of heaven open. And here we are today, and the doors of heaven open. And he looks into heaven. So there's, there's false worship, which is going on on earth. There's false worship. A false god is being worshipped. And the people who worship the true and living God are being persecuted. And it appears as though the true, the, it appears as though the God that the Jews and the Christians worship is a weak God. A God who is not able to vanquish his enemies. Or the emperor has the upper hand for him and over his people. And the doors of heaven open, and, and John sees how things will be. He sees what the last word will be, and that's what this book is about. So the book is a book of consolation and hope to people that are being persecuted. That If you've got the eyes of the world, it looks like one thing is going on. If you've got the eyes of faith, there's another thing that's going on. And, and the, the story ends with the victory of God and the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Jesus Christ, accomplishing all of his promises and bringing them all to pass. In chapter 20, there has been a final battle between good and evil. And Satan has been finally conquered. And he has been thrown into the lake of fire. And uh, humankind has been, has, has been separated, the sheep from the goats. And those with the mark of the lamb upon their forehead have been gathered home. And all the enemies of God have been utterly vanquished. And then, in chapter 20, at the end of chapter 20, uh, death and Hades have been cast into the lake of fire. So here is a here is a thing that is that is that is somewhat um, it needs clarification because we lose our grip on this. The British bishop and New Testament theologian N.T. Wright caused a stir by trademarking a phrase which uh, confused people. I mean, his phrase was "life after life after death," "life after life after death." It's a book called "Surprised by Hope." It's a good book. "Life after life after death." What is he talking about? Well, what he's talking about is that according to the New Testament. Heaven and hell are not their, their, their life after death, but there's life after life after death. Both of these places, heaven and hell, they're way stations. They're way stations on the way to the final consummation of all God's promises, which is being now described in the 21st chapter of the book of Revelation. So uh, the dead, we, we die, and... Uh, God has put before us the choice of life and death, and we've even cho either chosen God or we've rejected God, and we either have uh, life eternal in the hands of the one true and living God, or we're alienated from God. And John sees the souls in heaven, but he sees them asking, how long will it be till God fulfills all of his promises? And there's a first judgment and a first separation but then we're waiting, and the whole creation itself is groaning in travail, waiting for the appearing of the sons of God. There's going to be a final judgment. 
There's the first judgment. There's going to be a final judgment and a final resurrection. And the end of the New Testament is not everybody everybody uh, goes to heaven. The end of the new heaven, the new end of the New Testament is heaven comes down to earth. Jesus taught us to pray every day. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're praying for. And the old heaven and the old earth will pass away. The vision of the Bible is not that the world will be destroyed. Not that the cosmos will be destroyed. But that the old earth and the, the old earth and the old heaven will pass away and pass into the new heaven and the new earth. And that's what John is seeing now. God is consoling his people through his prophet John saying, look, I have the final word and this is the final word. The final word is that, there, that, first of all, the new human being, the human being that is the human being that I always meant for you to be has appeared in my son, Jesus Christ the Lord. When he hangs on the cross and he says it is finished, what is finished is the, is the recreation of our human nature. And now what is being described is that the recreation of the human family, God is God promised Abraham he was going to create a new family from every language, family, tribe, and nation. So it's a new human being, a new human race, and that is the first act in the drama of the creation of the new heavens and the new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth have passed away. So that's where we are now. He's seeing... seeing the, the final act of the drama. The new heaven and, the, and the, the, the old heaven and the old earth have passed away. They haven't been destroyed. They've passed into the new creation. Now, even in this world, the old creation begins to become luminous with the life of the world to come. And in our midst, there, the new creation breaks into the midst of the old creation. Uh, the doors of heaven open, and heaven comes down to earth. And in some, in some anticipatory way, the prayer of the Lord comes true. This happens with the bread and the wine. John looks into heaven in the beginning of this book, and he, he sees the victor. He sees the Lord, the victor, sitting upon the throne of heaven, and the vision is so resplendent that he can't look at it. And then he looks away, and what does he see? And it's all over the high altar. He sees the, he sees the lamb sitting upon the throne. John the Baptist sees Jesus. There goes the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And we say, lamb of God, we say, after the bread and the wine have been consecrated, and with the eyes of faith, they become luminous of the life of the world to come. And, uh, and we say, what do we say just before we receive communion? Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, have mercy on us. We're, is, we're putting the two Johns together. John the Baptist, there goes the Lamb of God, takes away the sin of the world. And John the Revelator, who sees the, who sees the king sitting upon the throne. Oh, oh, Jesus, who takes away the sins of the world, who sits upon the throne of heaven and who presides over the culmination and fulfillment of all God's promises, and who presides over the, 
over the transition from the old, the old creation with its woes and its trials and its travails and its darkness and its suffering and its evil and its death, and who presides over the transfiguration and transformation of that world into the new heaven and the new earth. Have mercy. May even now we taste the life of the world to come. And the sea was no more. Genesis and, and Revelation are bookends. In the book of Genesis, um, God hovers over the water and creates a cosmos out of a chaos. Well, there's no more chaos anymore. It's only cosmos now. And the new city, the new city, is it, the book begins with a garden and it ends with the city, but the city is itself a garden. And the city is the home of the reconciled human race. And it doesn't need a temple, the new city, because the whole city is a temple. The whole city is the dwelling place of God with his people. And there's and this is the beginning of the of the of the new creation. So even now, in the midst of the old creation, the new creation is breaking into us. We see this in the sacraments of the church. We hear it in the words of the scripture. We see it in the faces of the saints. You notice when you see a picture of a saint, there's a halo around their head. The artist is trying to, is trying to make the invisible light of the world of the life, the, light, the invisible light, which is the light of the world to come, which shines forth in the light of the saints. He's trying to make that visible, right? You've seen this. You, you know people that are so consecrated to God that their face is luminous. And I see it. You know, when I give out communion on Sunday morning, I see, I see the light of the world is coming. I see the light of Jesus Christ in the face of his people. The sea is no more. It's never day. It's never night there. It's only day because God, is, God himself is the light of that city. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. The first things have passed away. They haven't been destroyed, the first things. They've passed away. They've passed over. The old creation has passed over into the new creation. See, I'm making all things new. Not destroying them, making them new. So write this. It's done. Jesus Christ hangs on the cross. And his last word, it's done. It's finished. What's finished? The process of recreating our broken human nature. It's been restored. It's been healed. It's, it's come to light. It's been raised up. And now it's being communicated to us in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's the first, that's the first installment of the new heavens and the new earth. And now St. John is seeing, and he's seeing the Lord say, it is done did it in the beginning, I will finish it. I will bring it to completion. I will perfect it. Now, to the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. I mean, when we see this vision with John, when we look at this with this vision of John, we contemplate this window that's over our high altar and contemplate the crucified, risen, and ascended one who's coming again in the power of the Spirit with the saints in the vanguard to give us today a down payment of the life of the world to come. What can we say but, you know, 
as, as the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O Lord. And the water is there for us to drink. Now, why do we read these lessons about the book of Revelation, about the, the life of the world to come? Why do we read this during Eastertide, during the time of the resurrection? Because we, we need to understand the church is telling us. That when we're talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we're not just talking about, let's say, the Christian doctrine of immortality or something like that. We're talking about the, the we're talking about the, the the moment, the power, the what is being revealed to us is that in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the whole hinge of the cosmos cosmos turns. It's the hinge of cosmic uh, history the single most important thing, not only in human history, but in the history of the whole cosmos, has taken place. And it's, and it's, it's, it is, it is, it is, it is, that is the astonishing gift that the Lord is showering upon us as we come here week by week. A taste now of the life of the world which is coming, which is the perfection and fulfillment of all his promises. It's done. John is looking into the future. It's done, he hears the Lord say. I am the beginning, and I bring it to completion and fulfillment. So we live now in this world as citizens of the world that is coming. And we pray with our Lord as he taught us, give us today our daily bread. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Make us, make us, Lord, part of this now, and make us part of this evermore. Amen. In the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.